Hey guys, loved uh, action film face-off the other day. The Terminator versus RoboCop. Hadn't seen RoboCop actually all the way through until this popped up, so got to watch it. Still think Terminator's the better movie, so <laughs> yay team. All right, guys, see you later. Bye. The Long Box Crusade presents Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1992 versus 1981. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Action Film Face-Off. This is the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random years while I bring an action film from the other random year. Those two films will then do battle using a variety of criteria and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. I am Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. the Death Probe. And my co-host is my brother Jason, the weaselest of all the skulls. We're both military combat vets who take our action very seriously. Ah, but not too seriously, so let's have some fun. Man, we have got some excitement for you today. But with that, we just got a regular episode. Neither of these movies were new to any of us, because these are some big-time movies. Yep, it is a regular episode. We decided to go with a couple of occult classics here. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Little-known B-films from Europe. But what are we going to do here today, you ask? Well, we're going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those categories? Well, they are the story. They are the overall spectacle. They are the best action scene. They are the hero. And they are the villain. And they are still not in that order. We're not going to change it, ever. I don't care what you ask or or how Mm -hmm. you plead. It's Mm going to stay. Mm -mm. That's right. This is how you get it. But we will always have at the end the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. And as we've been doing since our 30th episode, we are joined by a sniper. The sniper has just one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. Let's meet our sniper for this episode. He's no stranger to our network. He often shows up during Saturday matinee theater to talk Sherlock Holmes or Flash Gordon or whatever else might be coming up in the future. I introduce you to Dave, the Battle Battle Van Wagon Collins. Collins. (laughs) That's right. The Battle Van. That is indeed it. Well, good afternoon, fine fellows. <laughs> Welcome to Action Film Face. Your first time here, right? It is my first time here. I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. My feelings are a little hurt because I've heard some other people have been on multiple times and I felt some kind of way about it, but I'm just glad to finally be here to bask in this warm glow of success that I finally reached the <laughs> pinnacle of podcasting glory. There was just such a long line, Dave, a long line of people that wanted to be on this show, you know? Well, I'm not kidding, actually. Our show is booked all the way 
it's been booked to the end of the year since the beginning of the well, I, I totally understand saving the best for later in the thing. I, I mean, you don't want to bring out the big gun in the beginning and then have everybody else suffer by comparison all the way through. So I understand. I understand. I totally yes. get it. Dave, as we ask all of our snipers that join us on their first time, some snipers have been back a couple of times. <laughs> Salt in the wound, buddy. Salt in the wound. Just human here, man. I got feelings and emotions, okay? All right, hit us with your top three action films, and Jason right. and I will be judging you. Put a lot of thought into this because I knew this question was coming. So as we talked about a little bit before the show, my answers are usually highly favored or everybody thinks it sucks. There is no middle ground with me. So <laughs> I want to preface this with how I came to this decision. So one thing is I didn't include any comic book hero type movies because those are all pretty awesome action movies. And I didn't include those. And I didn't include any sci-fi because we all know <coughs> Star Wars, greatest movie ever made. So I didn't include those. And I actually left off Fast and the Furious because let's be honest, those movies are just terrible looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So oh, those don't fired. count. We got sniper versus sniper. So those don't count. Those don't count by any stretch of any imagination. So my three are going to go like this. John Wick is a fantastic action Mm -hmm. movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially that first one. It's very strong. Great story. Great direction. It's just a great, great movie. And then I'm going to have to go the Bourne Identity. Another great action film. It's got a good story. It, It was unique at the time. The scenes in that one are shot so clean. I hated it when they went to kind of the shaky cam and the later ones. Read. But that first one, everything was so clean. I really like it. And then my third one is probably going to be my eyebrow razor. I call this the greatest movie you've never heard of if you've never seen it, and that's the Boondock Saints. Oh, that's um, nothing wrong with that. That's great. That, a lot of people never heard of it. Uh, when a guy gave it to me, he said, this is the best movie you've never seen. And it, it really is. And uh, there are some great action beats in that, and there's some great shots in that one. So that, I'm, I thought long and hard. Those are my three. That three is approved by me, Jason. What do you think? I agree 100%. All right. Before our two films enter the video dome arena, I saw Jason sharpening the spikes earlier. Mm-hmm. Yep. I almost cut myself, man. I got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go the messed up part is here we are, you know, I don't, don't remember what episode number this is, but like the bad news, everybody, is that Jason and the bear have become good friends. <laughs> so they're, I, ever, yeah, they're never going to fight. <laughs> no, we don't fight anymore, man. We, <laughs> they're like Apollo and Rocky now, you know, they <laughs> <laughs> Hang out and run on the beach. Sit in the cage, drink, you know, we split a six pack. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna cut out, what I'm gonna keep in at this point. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Anyways, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These, of course, are the fine folks who have joined our crusade to get early access to special long box episodes, raffle giveaways, so much more. These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blasted or Stash It. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Battlewagon Collins. <laughs> Did that just for you. His time came and Did he just be for passing you. over to us. Uh, thank you, man. Thank oh, you. man. That's, uh, it's a special moment. Battlewagon. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason King. Jeremy L. Ooh. 
Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas, because I don't know how to follow that last one. <laughs> John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP, the multiple sniper. Rub it in, buddy. Rub it in. Mark Ross. Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jump and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Sean Urbanski. Samantha Mamie. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price, come on down. Tony Pennington. And the Toronto Cop. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent edition, we'll add you soon. But no worries. You can let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We will get it straightened out. You might be asking yourself, what is this wonderful world of the Crusaders Club and how do I join? Well, it's easy. You just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to that club. And all the shenanigans there, and you get all the access. You gotta all, say it like that. All the access. I, I'm not, I can't say it. Yeah, that. nobody can do it as creepy as Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1992, and I have selected Batman Returns. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Oh, the randomizer gods were merciful, and they gave me 1981, and I put into our Videodome arena, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, the bat versus the hat. I love it. We got a fine matchup for this one, folks. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. I don't think that's the case, though. Jason's a big Raiders homer. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Let's start with an around the, <laughs> around the room of where we saw it. Let's be honest. I own these on Blu-ray. I own these on VHS. I have these on my <laughs> Plex server. I think I went lazy and watched them off my Plex server. Jason, how did you watch these movies? Batman movies are streaming on the HBO. If you have the HBO subscription, that's how I saw Batman. And then Raiders of the Lost Ark, I just whipped out the old Blu-ray and threw it in the player. All right. Battle Van. See, now I'm being oh, nice man. to you. Uh, <laughs> say what a little love will get you. A little love will get <laughs> a you some love, love you go a long way. How did you watch these two films? I actually watched Batman Returns on streaming, and I watched Indiana Jones on DVD. All right. Well, here's a spoiler warning, folks. If you have not <laughs> you haven't seen Batman Returns, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This might not be the podcast for you, but hey, yeah. if you haven't seen them, this is your warning. We're going to get a little music cue here, and, and we'll uh, start spoiling stuff right after this musical break. All right, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed those two movies that you should have watched 30 years ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness all right enough shenanigans let me jump in with some quick info on 1992's batman returns i've been down here too long it's time for me to ascend 
from the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. And the only one who can save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance she can sink her claws into. You're getting into a girl like me. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham! cast and crew is as follows it starred a little known actor named michael keaton danny devito michelle pfeiffer and i'll do it for jason since he wrote it in the script he wrote and that's it no one else of note is in this movie <laughs> because jason knows that i'm the world's biggest christopher walken fan and he totally makes this the best Batman movie ever we'll talk about that later it was directed by tim burton and the synopsis goes like this it's batman taking on penguin and the Catwoman. That's all I'm giving you. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go to our interesting trivia. Burgess Meredith, who played the Penguin in the 1966 Batman TV show, was asked to play the Penguin's father in the opening of the film, but he had an illness that prevented him from doing it. And that's that's a shame. Now, I am glad that Paul Rubens did it. This kind of reignited his career after yep. some shenanigans in the late 80s. <laughs> um, and I'm glad it did. Cause I mean, he, he's a very funny guy and a very talented guy. And so I was, I was glad to see him come back, but having Burgess Meredith as the dad would have been super cool. So I had totally forgot that he was in that when it popped up, I go, I know that guy. I think I sit next to him in a theater in Florida. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been cooking that joke all weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He's been waiting on it. I could tell. All right, here's your next one. The massive Gotham City sets were all constructed to be mobile, which I think is brilliant when it comes to filmmaking. Like you could reshuffle them, move them around, all that kind of like rolled around, which I think is super cool. They were often shifted between days of filming. And Michelle Pfeiffer reported that she routinely got lost on the way to her filming each day because they would literally reorganize the city and the streets would be different. So I thought that was kind of funny. 
Number three, Warner Brothers had to constantly submit new Catwoman posters for various cities as many of the bus stop ads were being stolen. It got so bad that police officers had to patrol bus stops in order to catch perpetrators before they could break the plexiglass containers and steal the large-scale Catwoman bus ads, which still to this day go for a lot of money. You know Paul Rubin's got one. <laughs> <laughs> you know Jared Albrecht wasn't living in super rural Alabama at the time. He would have got one. <laughs> You got to have buses to have bus stops. It's like this whole chain. You got to have stops. So I, I was sitting there listening to that, and I was like, "There's no buses." I was like the only bus we have was a school bus. I know, right? <laughs> no cat woman posters out there. That's right. Dave lives in the country like I do, so yeah. Oh, man. And I added a, an additional one. Usually we do three, but I thought this was kind of cool. This is the first film ever made in Dolby Digital. So the Dolby Digital sound. This is the first film they did that in. And another spoiler alert: the sound in this movie is really quite good. But hey, now it's time for Jason to talk. Yeah, quit trying to prime your movie there, Jared. I see what you're trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jared, I will give you the rundown on 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm thinking I worked way too hard on my synopsis now. (laughs) I mean, come on. People haven't seen this. Come on. Yeah, that's true. crew included Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, and Paul Freeman. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Synopsis goes a little something like this. Indiana Jones and a jilted former lover team up to take on Nazis in a race to find the lost Ark of the Covenant. From the jungles of Peru to the mountains of Nepal to the deserts of Cairo, Indy and Marion take on Nazi soldiers, Egyptian assassins, poisonous snakes, and deadly traps in this action-adventure epic. I had some uh, interesting pieces of trivia here as well. This is like one of those films where everybody knows every piece of behind-the-scenes news. So I tried to find some that I didn't know, so maybe uh, it'll it'll come out as a surprise. Thoughtful. So in the original script, when Brody comes to Indy's house, Jones was supposed to be entertaining a young woman there. That's why he's dressed in the robe the the way he is. Spielberg decided to cut out that element of the scene because he didn't want Andy to seem too much like James Bond. All right. Is there anything bad about being too much like James Bond? <laughs> well, interestingly, and we can go down this rabbit hole. I was going to go the other way. That poor girl. That was probably going to be her break. And he's like, you're, you're out. <laughs> I'm in the new Spielberg movie. She's telling her friend. Oh, yes. I'm in a scene with Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh. No, you're not. In the second bit of trivia, 
So most of the cast and crew in Tunisia got sick, and we all kind of know that. But there was one exception, and that was Steven Spielberg. Instead of eating the local cuisine, the director survived solely on cases of SpaghettiOs that he brought with him. So he's like one of the few who did not get sick in Tunisia. Oh, SpaghettiOs. Spaghetti. I was going to say, it would probably been the opposite for me. The SpaghettiOs would have probably killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I got the SpaghettiOs. <laughs> and finally... And this is where uh, we have a bit of a crossover between our two films, Jared. Steven Spielberg originally wanted to cast Danny DeVito in the role of Sala, but DeVito couldn't get out of his contract uh, with his show Taxi that he was on at the time. Ah, and those are my three. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. versus the hat it's time to get it on as a reminder you can play the game within the game which is match game two films five categories which means we can match up to laurel 10 10 <laughs> times <laughs> we can have up to 10 possible matches place your bets how many times are jason and i going to match on these two films i, I wouldn't go any higher than five because i think my batman return scores are way higher than <laughs> And speaking of scores, your barometer is as such. On our show, a five is average. It's okay. Something you'd see on a decent made-for-TV movie. It gets the job done. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got a great film. Four, three, two, one. You got things to work on. With all that out of the way, it's time to go to round one. And round one is the story. How engaging is your story? How original is your story? What are your thoughts on the story of Batman Returns? I will start with our guest. The battle wagon. Hey, I'm finally first at something. I get to go first. I don't think it's a terrible story. I didn't feel like they did a good enough job leading me from Batman 89 into this one. I don't know. There was something about that. I don't know. It seemed like a little bit of a disconnect to me. It just didn't feel like it flowed very well into that. But other than that, and I may be the only one that sees this, but you had Bruce Wayne had a villain about the power plant situation. And then Batman, of course, had the penguin and the cat. Well, he got to do both of his Bruce Wayne thing and his other thing. And I really like that. I think if you're going to have a successful Batman movie, you got to have a good Bruce Wayne. I will compare this to the newest movie. And the reason I'm going to do that is because when Michael Keaton was first cast and everybody was like, Mr. Mom is Batman. He blew everybody away. It was amazing. And like the new movie, everybody's like, you know, sparkly vampire boy is Batman. But he was good. His Bruce Wayne wasn't there for me. Like there wasn't enough difference to me. But I thought I always loved Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne, and I like seeing him in those Bruce Wayne moments. And I felt like we got to see more Bruce Wayne in this one than we did Batman '89. So from a story perspective, I felt like they brought everybody in very well. It it gave everybody's motivations pretty well. So I mean, I have a good time with that. I concur. You you said one of the exact same things that I always think of. I love Bruce Wayne sides of the story. Like even in the comics. One of my favorite things is when Bruce Wayne squares off against Lex Luthor. Like, that is so cool to me. <laughs> like, I love it. They need to find a way to make that happen. Anyway, Jason, it's your go for 1991's Batman Returns. Yeah, and I think we got to keep this in the context of the time. You know, we've got a lot of superhero movies in the 2020s and the mid-20s, 2015s, whatever you want to call it. So we've kind of gotten spoiled, I think, a little bit with 
our superhero stories, they were still really experimenting a lot with trying to bridge that gap between the comic book panels to the big screen. And I think they did a really good job in that regard with this. There's definitely a comic book feel to it, thanks to Tim Burton and his kind of style of directing and the different colors and everything, which we'll go into a little bit more in the spectacle part. But from a story perspective, I thought they did a good job of bringing in all of these comic book characters and putting them into a fantastic but still plausible story. It really walks that fine line between being a good thriller movie, a good action thriller, and a comic book movie. It's really, especially in 1992, easy to slide over onto one side or the other of that line, and they managed to straddle it pretty well. My last thought was, if you would have told me, and I hadn't seen it, that you're going to have Catwoman, Penguin, and Max Shrek, three villains in this movie, my first instinct is going to be like, they always do this. They try to cram too many villains into the story, but they somehow make it work in this one. You know, a lot of times you could take at least one of those characters out and still have a good story. They're not really that impactful. But in this case, all three of these have a very specific part of the story that they're carrying on their shoulders and they all do it well. And I'll just leave it there. Uh, All right. It's time to talk Raiders of the Lost Ark and your thoughts on the story of that. We'll go back to Dave, 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The story, the floor is yours. Greatest movie ever made next to Star Wars. Oh, wait. No, I got more than that. No, it's, it's a really great story ironically enough when we started off when you're like how did you watch this and i'm like i watched it on vhs in my living room when i was you know like 10 because i was thinking about the first time i saw it but i did i didn't get to see it in the movies for the first time but i did see it on vhs and i just remember from the very moment that movie started to the very end i was captivated my dad said it's an edge of your seater like you're always on the edge of your seat the way they bring the whole story together from beginning to end is really hard to beat in my opinion it It is a great movie, no matter when it was made. And you look at that movie made in 1981. It was made 10 years before Batman Returns. The cinematography, the stunts, they're as good as anything you can watch today. And it's all practical. There's no CGI. And I think that even tells more. It's so engaging. By the time you're 10 or 15 minutes into this movie, you were so into this guy. Like, man, this guy's the greatest. Like, he's he's James Bond with a whip. You know, I mean, he's he's the best. They do a really good job of putting it out there to where... You can't quite connect all the jobs. There's a little bit of secrecy among there, but you still seem surprised when it happens. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's just... Well, no, yeah, it's good. I won't talk about the villains right now, but you can't get greater villains than the Nazis. So it's just, it's a great movie, man. I, I can't, I'm gushing. I can't say enough about it. <laughs> it is a fine film and it's well filmed. And I'm sure Jason wants to wait on the story. Have you seen, you've seen this before though, right, Jason? It's not a first time. <laughs> yeah, I saw it for the first time, you know, in preparation. For that. <laughs> it was good. It was like people said it was good. No, it's I heard, I heard this was great. <laughs> <laughs> this is very tough for me. And I'll tell you why. This is one of the toughest scores I ever had to sit down and come up with. Me too. Me too. <laughs> there's 10 year old Jason. And then there's Jason that, as an adult feels responsible for looking at this objectively and trying to put some sort of process on it that's consistent for our listening audience, right? Because 10-year-old Jason saw this in the movie theater. And up until that point, there were two movies that were in my life. There were Star Wars and there were James Bond movies. I saw other things from time to time, but those were the only two things that I cared about on a consistent basis, right? (laughs) 
And so dad came up and he said, hey, you and I will go see Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I didn't even know what it was. I had no idea. I went in with zero expectations. In my mind, I remember even thinking, is this like Noah's Ark? Like pirates? Noah's Ark? That's what I was thinking when I went in. So when I sat down, and like Dave said, from the opening scene in the jungles of Peru all the way to the rolling of the credits, I was engaged. It was an action spectacle like I'd never seen it before. 10-year-old Jason wants to give this a 10 right out of the gate. Now, as an adult, as I look at the story, I realize it's very simple. It is a very simple story with a MacGuffin, and it's designed to get you from set A to set B to action set to action set to action set, which is fine. It's fine, and it's done well. Are there better scripts, better stories out there in the action world? Probably yes, and we've talked about a few of them already this evening, if we're being honest. So I'm going to wrap it up there and say that it was a very difficult score for me to come up with because 10-year-old Jason was arguing with 51-year-old Jason the entire time. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear, Jason, because I was I, the same thing going on. I will remind our audience, I may have mentioned this before, but... Our sister, Jason's five years older than me. I'm five years older than our sister. She was born in 1981. And in 1982, I think my mother was losing her mind. She's like, I can get these boys out of the house. <laughs> and my dad, this might have been the second time you saw it, Jason, because if you went with dad without me, that's plausible. But my dad took us to see a Harrison Ford double feature. And we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back, back to back. Oh, yes. To get us out of the house all day. In retrospect, now I know that's what it was for, to get us out of the house all day. And little did I know, I was watching perhaps the greatest double feature of all time. I mean, that's it was incredible. And so, yeah, I was just like fanboy versus, you know, the whole modern thing is, you know, people like to look back on the writers now. And the big joke is if Indy had literally done nothing, it wouldn't have changed a thing. Okay, Amy Farrah I from don't Big know Bang. What, I don't know what that means. Okay, I don't watch Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> she, that's, that's a running joke on the oh, Big Bang okay. Theory. I do not partake, but that's all right. But yeah, that's like the running joke. I guess maybe that's what kind of brought it to prominence. Is that like seriously? If you take him out of the story, it's going to end the same way. In well, Baron is getting murdered in all, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> in fact, he actually does more to help them find it. Find the ark. They probably never would have even found it if he hadn't have been there. So yeah, I had those two conflicting things. Like, is it a really great story, or is it just a really simple story, greatly executed? Let's go back and score these, and we'll find out. That is a great point. Is it a good story, greatly executed? I don't care. I still love it. Can't disconnect 10-year-old Dave from almost 50-year-old Dave. Jason, let's go back to Batman Returns 1991. The story on a scale of 1 to 10, you gave it? I gave it a 7. Like I said, I thought it was pretty well done. I, it walked that razor's edge pretty well. One thing that really kind of took me out of it was the Penguin character, which we'll go into it a little bit more. I thought Danny DeVito did a good job with the direction he was given, but I like my penguin to be suave and sophisticated, not a sewer dweller. Yeah, I prefer a fancy penguin. That is my number one problem with that movie. Is um, I, I want to see Cobblepot being the envy of everyone, not the disgust of everyone. Right. That's fair. That's fair. By the way, match game. I gave it a seven as well. Ah, off to a good start. Off to a good start. Let's go to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Scale of one to ten. 
How did that fight come out between 10-year-old Jason and 51-year-old Jason? You know, when I laid it against its competitor, I thought they were pretty much neck and neck, so I landed on a seven there as well. It's definitely above average, storytelling-wise, but like I said, I I had to rein it in. I had to rein it in, Jared, but I landed, so I landed on a seven. Match game. Again, it's the bones of the story are like a six, but it's so well executed, it's a seven. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Now it's time to check in with our sniper as if anyone has any questions about where he's going to put his extra sniper point. Dave, make it official. Which movie do you think has a better story? Well, well hold on just a minute now. You don't know me. You don't, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. And I will say this, as I was listening to you guys, I was like, yeah, I can see where they're coming from. And I, and I do agree with, with all the points you made. So for me, it's going to boil down to execution because the direction of this movie and the direction of the story is a thousand times better to me than God bless you, Tim Burton. I still love you, but better than Batman returns to me. So I'm going to have to go. Stillberg gets the one just because of he executed the story. I I can't imagine anybody else doing that. Fair enough. All right. That brings it to my turn. Round two. I'll be back. We're going to talk about the hero, the protagonist, if you will. So we'll start off with the hero. I believe it's Batman from Batman Returns. It's hard to go against Batman. I'm a huge Batman fan. I have been for a long, long time. I love Keaton as Batman. Uh, He is one of my favorite Batmans. I say that unashamedly. I, I really think that when you start talking about heroes, he is the pinnacle. Like He is a human being who has no special powers other than the training he gave himself and, of course, the money he spent. He has dedicated his life to this life. It's hard to beat Batman. I mean, Batman's pretty awesome. That is fair. That is fair. Yeah, he is hard to beat. That's a good way to way to put it. Jared, what do you got to add? He all right? Yeah, I'll tell you who I feel bad for. I feel bad for Dave the Battleway and Collins having to pick which one of these two movies has a better hero. Because Jason and I can like score it and nuance it, but Dave's got to like pick one. And I've got a spoiler alert for you. Both these heroes have the same score for me. And it's really, really high. It's freaking Batman. The Tim Burton Batman as sort of offbeat from the comics as it can be. It's still just so memorable. And it looks so good. And it's Keaton. It's a 10. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll we'll score him later. (laughs) We'll score him later. (laughs) All right. That's fair. Let's move over to... Raiders of the Lost Ark and talk about Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood. Dave, what do you think about the heroes there? Man, Marion. Oh, I'm talking about uh, yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, what's his name? Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy named after the dog. All right, so Indiana Jones, golly, is this guy still this cool if he's not played by Harrison Ford? Question. That's the question. But how many people have played Batman and still been cool? So, Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones is a classic character, and he is a very, very, very great character. I I love him in all the movies. Not so much that fourth one, but I still love him. So Indy just has that, I hate to draw the comparison again, that James Bond kind of suave, smart, debonair. He takes more licks than James Bond. Like He, he gets hit a lot more than James Bond. He's not quite as, as elegant. I do think he's a great hero. I think he has a very strict moral code. You see that as the series goes along, like his moral code is way up there. Like he's always going to try to do what he thinks is right. And he's typically right. 
And again, he's fighting a pretty nasty group of people through most of these movies. So he's definitely the shining light. But you may be surprised where my sniper bullet goes. I think Dave kind of hit the nail on, on the head. As I scored mine, I had one hero that's been played by one person for going on 30, 40 years now. <laughs> so, And then a lot of people have done the cape and cowl to various degrees of success. So, All right, Indiana Jones. Wax poetic about Indy, Jared. Uh, he's iconic, Jason. We've talked about the the icons of action film face-off. You know, our list is kind of as follows. James Bond, Batman, Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we all see this is good. Yeah, I wasted your time. Let's go ahead and score. <laughs> all right, Jared, give me your score for Batman. Ten. Flawless victory. All right. This is where I'm going to make Jared angry because I gave him a seven. Everybody uh, say goodbye for Jason's his last episode of Action Face Off. He's been with us for a long time. Dave, welcome our new permanent host, Dave. Hey, Dave, Dave, Dave <laughs> oh, I just fired myself. A seven for no. the bat? You got to kid me. No, because I think of the Batman incarnations, and as I look at Michael Keaton's Batman, I think Michael Keaton did a great job as Batman. That seven is all on his shoulders. My Batman doesn't kill. And this Batman set people ablaze. Blew people up with bombs. I don't do it. I don't get into it. The Batman that gets a 10 for me is the Batman from the animated series. That's my... Mask of the Phantasm is the best Batman movie ever made, and I will stand by that. We have had that discussion at some point. Yes, that is a great movie. That is the greatest Batman movie. Yeah, Batman in general gets a 10. The Michael Keaton Batman from this film gets a 7. That's where I... Follow-up question. Does the Michael Keaton Batman from 89 get from you? I would give that one an eight. Hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because one of the standout parts for that movie that's been ingrained in my brain, and I have not watched it near as many times as you have, but the one thing that I thought was outstanding was when Michael Keaton confronts the Joker as Bruce Wayne. Hmm. And at that moment, that's the moment where you see the Batman and the Bruce Wayne merge you want to get nuts let's get nuts let's get nuts nuts. yep you saw the cleverness of him knowing what's coming and preparing for it and you saw him like he switched you want to get nuts let's get nuts i can go to that level with you Mm, that that part is stuck in my mind so that that's why i would give that one an eight okay no fair fair i mean those are terrible terrible scores it should be tens but you know (laughs) well well explained everyone's everyone's got the right to their numbers on the show (laughs) jason gave batman a seven everybody uh our call in line is 707-532-5269 it's just as a reminder all right (laughs) Beat up the weasel skull. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is uh, your route. So. All right. Okay. I think we're to the point where we need to talk scores for uh, Indiana Jones, if I'm not mistaken. So, Jared, lay it on me. What are you giving Indy? 10. Flawless victory. It's Indiana Jones. He gets a 10. Match game. Flawless victory. Indy gets a 10 for all the reasons we discussed. Icon. Such an icon that they keep talking about remaking it with new actors, Chris Pratt, and they keep coming back to Harrison Ford because nobody, like this poor guy, they're going to wheel him up in a wheelchair at some point in time and just have him like doing wheelies, whipping this whip, and we're going to pay money for it. We're going to go see it. (laughs) All right, Dave, lock and load that sniper bullet. 
Indy's got double tens, and poor Batman's sitting in there with a seven. Good <laughs> Lord. Wow. This might be where you get a bullet on your movie. Dude. Man, I'm going to tell you, man. So even though this particular Batman movie is not my personal favorite, a smart guy told me earlier in my life that every movie is somebody's favorite movie. So, But it's not my personal favorite. But, man, like I said, you just you look at the history of Batman. If you're comparing, we're comparing characters. And Batman can be so many different things, and he's evolved. I'm going to have to go with Batman as far as the greatest hero in, in this batch. All right, round three. Prepare to meet Colleen in hell. Round three is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining is your villain? Not enough movies realize that the villain can really make or break a movie. We've got some good ones to talk about. And Jason, you get to go first. Uh, Batman Returns, 1992. You got, oh, you got a menagerie, man. Where are you going with it? You know, I kind of tip my hand a little bit with my issues with the Penguin. Although I think Danny DeVito did a fine job again with the direction as he was told to take it. Not my favorite incarnation of the Penguin. So we'll get that out of the way right away. The Circus Gang. Entertaining as all get out, man. I laughed out loud several times in those action scenes. They made those action scenes fun, which is important. So I want to make sure there's a good tip of the hat to that entire crew, including Vincent Schiavelli, I believe you said. <laughs> Something well. like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like Vincent Schiavelli. I know you're in the middle of a thought, but I got to weigh in. Like you said, your Batman doesn't kill... Like the funness of the circus gang kind of almost makes you overlook the fact that Batman killed a couple of people. No, so you're right. It, they needed that. You're right. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did he just emulate that guy? But these guys are funny. This guy's on stilts. Look at him. The um, fire guy got set on fire. <laughs> that's irony, son. So let's talk about Catwoman for just a minute. Oh, wow, Michelle, she knocked it out of the park with that Catwoman. You know, the only part that I really kind of had trouble bridging was like, at what point did she become like a world-class acrobat (laughs) and fighter? I mean, was that always within her? I don't know. But whatever. Uh, She pulled it off really well. She was sexy. She was energetic. She was just a great Love interest for Bruce Wayne and rival for Batman, which also made great storytelling. And finally, no, that's it. There were no other villains in the movie, right? Stop, that was Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Max Shrek. Well, Weasel Skull. <laughs> <laughs> Max Shrek could have easily been one villain too many, but Christopher Walken, you you nailed it. Like he took his parts, and I think just his style of acting really helped flesh out that character. You know, I read Christopher Walken. He asked the director, tell him, where do you want me to start with this scene? And where do you want me to end with it? And I'll make up everything in the middle. And so a lot of what we saw in there was pure spontaneity, especially that scene with Selena as he's going through it. And she's she's in it with him and she's giving it right back. So these are really great scenes that he makes better just by being there. So, like I said at the beginning, my initial thought would have been, "Mm, one villain too many, maybe two villains too many. But thanks to Christopher Walken's acting, they pull it off, and it'll be reflected in my score. Excellent. All right. Dave, what do you think about the villains of Batman? I agree 100%. I I keep living to say this. I agree 100% with Weasel School. 
Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's weird, isn't it? Wait, wait, hold on. <clears throat> I just got to get that off my tongue there. It's tough. Um, it's there. Just uh, yeah, uh, let me go brush my teeth. But yeah, like he, the scene where he pushes her out the window, like he, that is like a really great scene. Like I, I do that. You see his villainy. I don't really think the power plant thing was that big of a villain. I mean, that didn't like, I'm just going to hoard power and then sell it back later. That didn't seem like a real evil twist. Uh, I, I don't know. But her, him pushing her out the window, like the way he acted brought that on. I really thought that was cool. I really thought he it brought that out. I do agree a hundred percent. I love the penguin as a character in most stories. I didn't care for how they portrayed him in this. I do understand, like Weasel said, you know, that was the direction he was given. So, I mean, we can forgive that. The gang is entertaining. They are very entertaining and they're fun to watch. And then we get the Catwoman. I don't think she's a villain in this movie. I'm sorry. She doesn't no. really do anything villainous. Like and, and she, that's the Catwoman. She's always I mean, like right in the middle. Yeah, you know? she's like, full disclosure, I love Batman and Catwoman together. Like, I'm a sucker. I was so mad at Tom King when they almost married him and then he backed out. Like, I, I'm a sucker for those. I love them together. And then you look at the scene where they're dancing and she goes a little nuts and she's like, I'm going to kill Max. And Bruce is like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, dude, you just toasted a guy downstairs. Like, he just said <laughs> guy on fire. But, you know, I do have problems with that. But I think she was great. I don't consider her the villain. Like, I, I just think she was a victim of some circumstances and she was trying to find a little retribution. It gets a little murky when she gets with the penguin to make that plan to set up Batman. But then she really doesn't do anything during that. Like she's not a part of that. It kind of goes out of her hand. So I think my main villains is Max and the penguin and the gang for those. And I, they're, they're very well executed except for the issue with the penguin. Didn't agree on all fronts. And I'll just add that. Yeah, I agree with you, Dave. I don't think Catwoman's a villain. She's always walked that middle line and I'm going to toss this out there. This debatable topic, but I think this is the best on-screen version of Catwoman we've ever had. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm a fan of like Julie Newmar and Eartha Kitt. Like I like all this. Um, I like the '60s Batwoman, but man, I just the costume design to me looks so awesome. And I don't know, I just think she's great. So, have, have you seen the new Batman? No. Okay, so put a pin in that, and I'll see it. Heroes Con, and we'll talk about it. I do think she's good. She's definitely better than the other ones, other than the, the newer one. I, I do think she does a good job. My favorite scene with her. In the whole movie, and she's not Catwoman, is actually when she comes back the next day and they're mm-hmm. all surprised she's alive. She is amazing in that scene. Like that's my favorite scene with Michelle Pfeiffer in that whole movie. Yeah. She showed a lot of a lot of acting chops. All right, let's talk about the villainy of Raiders of Lost Ark nineteen eighty one. Back to Jason. The Nazis. That means they're up to something. <laughs> <laughs> they're always up to something. They're always up to some shenanigans. You know, obviously the main villain is uh Renee Belloc. Indiana Jones' arch enemy, the nefarious French archaeologist, teaming up with the Nazis. That just tells you how dirty he is. Mm. Mm, that fishy French. It's mm. terrible. 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 And so the bad guys are really bad. <laughs> There's really not a lot of depth talking about them. I mean, they're performed really well. I got to give points because I pointed this out to Drake, my son, when we were watching it together. That scene in the end of the movie where they're on the march with the Ark, taking it to that altar to open it, Indiana Jones tries to stop him with that grenade launcher. Belloc starts giving him the, go ahead, blow it up, you know, speech. There's a fly, lands right on his mouth. Does my boy waste film and call for a cut or wave that fly away? No, man, he swallows it. (laughs) 
He eats that fly. He covered like, the frog I'm, like, that way. <laughs> I'm not stopping for no fly. We're just no, going to keep riding. And he going. did it in such a way that you barely notice. You barely notice, but he just keeps talking. No, no, no. Mad props. Mad props to my boy for powering through. And well, when your villain is monologuing, you, there nothing stops him. Nothing, nothing stops a villain's no, no, no. monologue. That's right. And I mean, and plus he was just in Peru a few months ago. He had to eat some flies and mosquitoes down there, so it's, it's probably normal. Yeah, he's probably used to it by now. But at any rate, yeah, kind of basic. Bad guys are really bad. They're Nazis and a, and a French archaeologist that's teaming up with the Nazis. Not much more to say other than that. All right, Dave. Anything to add? <sighs> it's twice in a row. I agree with Weasel Skull. This is getting bad. You're right. You're, you're exactly right. That I mean, and I wanted. To, I cannot remember the guy's name. The guy who gets the symbol burned into his hand. What's his name? Tote. So he's like your main bad guy, I guess. To the face of the Nazis, and he's good at what he does. Yeah. But there, other than they're the Nazis, and we all just know how terrible they are. There's just there's not a lot of villainy. Like I, I will say that. But I mean, you got to admit that's pretty big villain. <laughs> it's hard to overcome those guys. I mean, at, at this point in their career, they they are marching over half the world, and there's no end in sight. So, other than that, I mean, it's just those guys. And Belloc is good. He's kind of goofy when he gets into the drinking contest and he loses. <laughs> you know, a, but he is a smart man, and he he knows Indy inside and out. And that is the mark of a great villain because he gets the better of him in Peru. He gets the better of him with the Nazis at the Ark site. And then when he's doing that scene where he's going to say, well, just blow it up. Like he knows he's not gonna. So like he knows him better than Indy knows himself. And I think that is the mark of a great, great villain. That's a really fair point, Dave. All right, let's double back and score it. Let's go to 1992. The villainy of Batman returns. Jason, one to 10. This was my highest score for this one. I gave it an eight. I thought overall, all the villains did really well. We talked about Penguin. I'm not going to mention him again. I still thought Danny DeVito did a great job. So. Villains were well above average into elite territory. I gave it a nine because it's got Christopher Walken. That's <laughs> basically everything Jason said, plus my walking bump. Because you know he's my favorite actor. I see him on the screen. I get a big smile on my face. He's so charmingly evil in this movie. Let's go to 1981, Rangers of the Lost Ark. Kind of a menagerie of villains. Jason, one to ten. I gave that one a seven. I thought that the villains were just by necessity pretty villainous, not a lot of complexity to them. But Dave brought up some really good points that I think are reflected in my score about Belloc and how he portrayed that character and how well he knew Indiana Jones that made him, um, you know, such a menace. Match game. Give it a seven as well for all the same reasons. Where are you going to put your sniper's bullet point on this one, Dave? Uh, unfortunately, I got to swing back the other way. I, I've given one to Indiana, one to Batman. I'm going to have to go back to Indiana because. At the end of the day, I mean, Nazis are pretty villainous. I, I got to go with them. Penguin <laughs> tried to murder all the firstborn children and got <laughs> so, uh, so did the Pharaoh. I, I want to defend it, but I also don't want Action Phil Faceoff to be known as the podcast that defends the Nazis. <laughs> See? I don't want to get any hate mail at the end. Like, he, loved, he loves the Nazis. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Their uniforms were Those uniforms, point. though, were on point. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, with that, I turn it over to Jason. That are alive. You are coming with me. All right. Now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes. We're going to talk about the spectacle because action films are all about the spectacle. What are we talking about? We're talking about the stunts. We're talking about fight choreography. 
We're talking about the sets. We're talking about the music. We're talking about the themes. If it's part of the action, we're going to talk about it. So let's start off with the spectacle of Batman Returns, Dave. So are we going to talk about the penguins with rockets strapped to their backs? Is that part of the spectacle? No, I'm just Hell kidding. yeah. <laughs> That's it. Lost one. Are, is that and the fact that the penguin always rides around in a big rubber ducky? Uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I just watched this again last night for the first time in a long time. I'm not poo-pooing it, but it doesn't have the same amount of action to me as some of the other ones. To me, you get very little fisticuffs. Like the gang first comes in and, you know, he drives the Batmobile in and that kind of, so there's a little bit there and there's a little bit at the end, just not the same level that I would say that our partner movie might have. Cause there's a lot of things we could talk about there. Again, I'm not poo pooing it. I'm just saying that for my money, I've seen a lot more Batman spectacle. However, I did really like the Alfred connection because he was always right there, buddy. Like he was involved with every single step of the way, like every plan from the jamming of the penguins to the jamming of the radio signal. Like he was there and he was involved. And I, that I really liked. All good points. All good points. Jared, what are your thoughts? Let me gush about the spectacle of 1992's Batman Returns. Okay, I think it has a little bit better action when comparing it to 1989's Batman. There's a, like Dave said, you've got the fight of the circus gang at the beginning. And then you got the fight of the circus gang again in the middle. You got a couple of fights with the Catwoman and sort of the big blowout at the end. You know, none of it's like, the super awesome Batman fight scenes that we kind of expect these days, you get to the Christian Bale era. And now that we're getting, you know, martial arts and movies has changed fundamentally. And, and it's the more of the Batman we want to see. So I get what Dave's saying, like the combat maybe wasn't the Batman we want to see, but I felt like there was more of it than 89, but the spectacle as we talk about here is a broad category. I don't think Gotham city's ever looked better than in this movie in 89. It looked amazing. And then in 92, they covered it in snow, which makes Gotham look even more amazing. I, I will say that the snow did really set it off. I will, And I liked it being at Christmas. I, I thought that was yeah. a nice touch. I watch this movie every Christmas as I'm wrapping the presents. That is a true story. Well, it is a Christmas movie right there with Die Hard. 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, the city itself, amazing. The Batmobile looks amazing. The Bat suit looks amazing. The Cat suit looks amazing. The score the danny elfman score which is really a carryover from the first movie it carries over so very well it, there's a reason his music sort of defines it we've had a lot of different iterations of batman movies since then and if i tell you to hum a batman theme right now you're gonna hum the damn danny elfman theme because it's the most famous one it's really really fits the mood of, <laughs> of what tim burton and danny elfman they always work together and then for a reason they get each other so music's great the visuals are great I felt like the combat was a step up. Uh, the props, I think, were a step up. There's a lot going for it, aside from just the action. Like, tip of the cards, we're going to talk about Rage. Rage has a ton more action than this movie does, but this movie brings a lot more ambiance. It just has a feel to it that I think is incredible and hard to duplicate. Tim Burton, man, he walks that line. Like you said, again, Jason, he walks that line of fantastical, but yet comic and still slightly believable like ah and he does it so well i'll stop 
It's so cute to see somebody gush about. Is is this what it's like for you when I'm gushing? Because it's so cute to watch you. I don't know. But, I don't listen to you when you do it. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, so, well, you got you have to edit this, so you got to listen to me again. But I mean, I'm not saying I hate this movie, but like, you ever not like something, but then you run into somebody who just really loves something, and then they like they they almost infuse you with their passion. Yes, there's a like, guy named Vanilla like, Plexico who got me to turn around on Moonraker. Like it used to be my oh, least favorite Bond. I like man, Moonraker anyway. Man, completely got me to turn around on Moonraker. So, so that's 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 kind of how I feel about that moment. Like I said, it's not my favorite Batman movie, but like listening to you talk about it, it, it warms my it warms the cockles of my cold <laughs> I heart. Appreciate that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, while your cockles are all warmed up, uh, let's, <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you talk about the spectacle of Raiders of the Lost Ark? What's not to talk about, baby? I'm going to go back because you do have Elfman. I, I think he's a great composer. But then we flip the page and we got John Williams over here, the other greatest composer of our time. I mean, arguably. So you do have a fantastic soundtrack from start to finish in that movie. The, the score is just amazing. I mean... You throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. Big ball rolling, plane flying out. Oh my God, there's somebody broke into my house. <laughs> We're going here. There's a fight in the Andes. A guy melts a thing into his hand. I mean, it is just something going on all the way to the end of that movie. Like when you talk spectacle, if I had a dictionary right here and I looked up spectacle, I think this picture of Indiana Jones would be right there because to me, it, it is a spectacle movie. You know, and Weasel Skull made the comment earlier that. It's technically a very simple script, but oh my gosh, the execution is one thing is action beat after action beat after action beat. So personally, if I was scoring, it'd be hard to top <laughs> it'd be hard to top it. All right, Jared. I know you're chopping it a bit to let us know your thoughts. Go ahead. It's okay. I mean let's don't forget there's a propeller that kills it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. It's amazing. Lucas and Spielberg set out to make this a complete love letter to cliffhanger serials of the 40s and over on saturday matinee theater on the same network you know we've covered flash gordon we're in the midst of covering the 1940s batman serial so now i have a good reference point you know because i'd always heard that oh they're homaging the serial is you know it's a tip of the cap to the serials now that i've experienced that i see it's just like dave said it, it's the perfect cliffhanger to take you from beat to beat to beat and it just never lets go it never lets go. Even in the most tender moment on the ship, Captain Katanga's ship with Marion and Indy and they're kissing. And then who shows up? The Bantu wind. Dun, 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 That's the name of the ship. Dun, dun, they get dun, a tender dun, moment. Dun, they dun, kiss. Dun, dun, and who shows up to ruin dun, everything? Dun, dun, dun. It's those damn Nazis again. <laughs> Blocking Nazis, man. Man, they are everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's got John Williams' score. It's directed by Spielberg. And it's world traveling, South America, Middle East, a big warehouse. <laughs> the bottom line is, it's got it all. It's just one big thrill. It's a spectacle movie. We've talked about it before. Some movies are just spectacle movies. And that's exactly what this is. So, yeah, going to get a high score. All right. Well, I think we've covered them. I think it's time to roll out some scores. So, Jared, what are you giving the spectacle for Batman Returns? As we all know, my scores from here on in are going to be higher than yours because you already told me you gave up your high score. I gave it an eight. I think it is just a fabulous film just to look at, just to listen to. Uh, it holds my attention. I don't check my phone when I'm watching, and I've seen it like, I don't know, a thousand times. Uh, I just still love it, and I'm a homer for it, so it gets an eight. Well, we're pretty close. I gave it a seven. You know, if you compare it to, like you were saying, the 
the more modern Batman, you get more up-to-date fighting choreography. Uh, I think they've made improvements on the suit, so the movements don't have to be quite so robotic anymore. So you have that as well. We've talked about this before. It's one of those challenges that we have, you know, as we watch these movies, how do you grade it on a curve for the time that it's in? I tried to kind of factor that in as well. You put it best. I think to me, it's the sets, the music, the whole, just the mood. The mood really carries me through this movie, maybe more so than the actual action moments. But I will say up until this point, all I really had was the Adam West Batman, which I still love, by the way, to compare it to. So when I compare what I had here with what I had before, light years beyond. So that's me just trying to rationalize my seven. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, honestly, and I haven't seen the new one. We've established I have not seen the Batman, Mm -hmm. uh, but I have never seen a Batman movie since or before that had a better looking Gotham City. Yeah. You'll feel that way after you see the new one, too. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, because in Burton's movies, Gotham City is a character. Yeah. Like in every other iteration, it's just a town. Like it's Chicago, New York, whatever. Right. But in those movies, I will, I will admit, it's its own character. Concur. That's fair. All right, we got to give uh, the action sequences of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark a score. Jared, what are you gonna give it? I'm gonna give it a solid six. Oh, wait, that's upside down. That's a nine. It's a nine. <laughs> I just want to watch Dave's face fall for a second. I was about to come through this computer. I, I'm done. I'm out. I'm just leaving. I'm done. It is a nine. I think it is It is amazing. And really, it's not even Raiders' fault that it didn't get a 10. It's just I know there's a couple more Indiana Jones movies that are coming, and I know which one I would give a 10 to. So, yeah, it's a, it's a strong nine. Yeah, I'm right there with you pretty much for the same reasons. I gave it a nine as well. I think that it's definitely in that elite category. I don't think I can sum it up any better than Dave said. You know, action beat to action beat. Nazi gets uh, punched into a uh, propeller. uh, Old tombs full of uh, poisonous snakes. Love it. Absolutely love it. John Williams riding along with us the whole way. So we match game that? You said nine? I did. Yep, we match game that. Match game that. Fun fact, everybody, jumping forward to Temple of Doom, remember when he fights the real big dude on the conveyor belt and the guy gets crushed by a rock? Same actor who played the guy that went into the propeller of the airplane in this one. He gets killed in magnificent ways in two movies in a row. He's typecast. Poor guy. (laughs) But at least he didn't get cut. If I could do that, I'd be typecast like that, too. You want me to get punched into a... What do you want me to fall into this week, boss? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> All right. It's time for Dave to lock and load another round. And Indiana Jones, Jones, moving on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Boy, I just, love it. I love just it. fired that one. I Didn't just, even raise the sight. Right, that was all in, all in fun, but yeah, Indiana Jones, moving on. All right. Fair enough. We'll take it. Because I, I want to get to the action scene. This is the part I've been waiting for. Go ahead, Jared. Take it. And oh, give it to boy. Me. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. I actually like this part of the show a lot. So I, I'm, I'm waiting. I, I want to see what these are. I, I do like this part of the show. Oh, I went. I you found I your audience. I think this is my wow, PhD resistance to me. I look forward to it, too. I, I love the pain. It's like having that canker sore on the inside of your lip and you can't quit biting at it because you like the pain a little bit. It's <laughs> a great analogy. Let's get to round five. What do we do? We die. 
Round five is the best action scene. We pretend like it's my round, but it's really Jason's round. He's going to lay out his choice of action scenes for both movies. We'll pick our favorites. We'll score them. Let's start with the scenes of Batman Returns 1992. Jason, what do you got? All right, Jared. I got basically four scenes here. Scene number one is Batman versus the circus gang at the opener. I call that one, turn on your bat light, let it shine wherever you go. Do you think uh, anybody that, noticed that he had that Bruce Wayne had like two big Yeah, that was weird. It's kind like of a dead that. giveaway that like it tracked the bat signal straight to Wayne Manor. Right. <laughs> that guy might be Batman. It looked cool on screen, but uh it wouldn't take the Riddler to piece that puzzle together. I wasn't gonna say anything, but I'm thinking that the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> okay. And Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? Because <laughs> he is Batman. He is Batman, you idiot. <laughs> I had to throw that in. All right, scene number two is Batman versus the circus gang and Catwoman, where he first encounters Catwoman. I called that one. This is the one that walks that in. Always <laughs> one. Fighting crime isn't the only thing that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was like, I'm confused right now. Are we fighting? Are we making out? I don't know. <laughs> Are we going to kiss? I don't know. <laughs> number three is Batman versus Catwoman Part 2, or what I like to call Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> Number four, Batman versus the Circus Gang and Penguins fouling up the bad guy's plans. <laughs> Foully. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yes. Okay, I like that one. <laughs> that not too All right, let's I pick got our, in with that one. Let's pick our favorite action scenes. Dave, of those that Jason laid out, which one's your favorite? I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> fighting is well. Fighting isn't the only thing that's hard. Is that what you call it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, that that was probably the best one. Well, I do like the one at the end with the penguins, only because you get to see Alfred. He's like ready to jam the signal, sorry. And then Batman's just cruising down that that tunnel and that or whatever that thing is. That's like the they a, have to mark it. It's like a bob, <laughs> it's like a bobsled, and they splashing the water up on the windshield. And I'm like. My special sewer sled. I mean, I like, I've got so many toys. I've even got one just for the sewer. Right. <laughs> Didn't know when I was going to need it, but I got it. But uh, no, I, I think that's the best one. I mean, like I said, I that first one, that first scene is just a little stiff for me, but I do like the second one and I do like the last one. But again, it's mostly because I like to see Alfred involved. Another heartwarming moment. I don't like it when Alfred and Bruce fight. I like it when they get along. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it when they're at odds with each other. I like it when they have those father and son moments is almost what I want to call them. I dig it. No, agreed, agreed. And I'm going to agree with you on the fight scene, too. I like the cat where he fights Catwoman and the gang, or the gang leads to the Catwoman fight. Fighting crime, you know, things hard. That's the one that I like. Jason, what's your favorite one from that? We're going to make it a hat trick. I, I had it kind of, it was kind of neck and neck with the first engagement for me, but I just really liked what I don't know why, but I like it when he has the programmable little batter. Oh, I think it's cool. <laughs> and it got he got defeated by a dog. <laughs> yeah, and the dog snatches it. I like that part. So I'm going I'm gonna agree with you guys on that one. All right, let's roll these dice again and see what Jason's got All for right. us in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, I narrowed it down to five. I think there's five really major action. Yeah, there's probably like 27 in the movie, but yeah, five major. But I got you. The whole opening scene with the idol, I call it the natives are restless. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. The next one is the uh, bar fight in Nepal and Marion's bar. I, I really like that scene, That's by a the good way. One. Yeah, call that one bullet, one whip, one beer. 
<laughs> always like a musical one and then yeah, yeah well, you gotta have the a next one's one. probably the one that goes too far what's the next one <laughs> all right there's another musical one here the cairo street fight and so i call this one when something's going wrong you must whip it when marion is gone you must whip it <laughs> whip it good whip it good number four will of souls whole scene going down there escaping everything i call that one oh what a feeling I'm hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> I told you I like this part. It's oh, good. My, my, my. I like this part. And then number five, which is I also really like, was the truck chase slash fight. Mm-hmm. I call that one Boys on the Hood. <laughs> Boys on the Hood. Somewhere somebody's rolling their eyes, but I'm chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing both. So those are my five. That's what I got. Well, those are tough to pick from. Dave, what are you picking? Oh, man, I'm going Boys on the Hood. I love the first scene. that my Especially, you throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. I like that one a lot. But I'm going to pull a Kathy here, and I'm going to give a little trivia nugget. Does anybody remember the Lone Ranger movie that came out roughly around the eight, this time in the 80s? Mm-hmm. There's a scene in that movie where they try to stop a stagecoach. Basically the same thing where he gets on the rope and he swings out from under the truck like Indy does on this one. If I'm not bad mistaken, the guy who did the scene in Indiana Jones was supposed to do the other one, but that guy got killed doing Mm -hmm. that scene. But I do. That's a great scene. Like I like it when he's holding on to the Mercedes Benz symbol. Like he's just. (laughs) 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 But I mean, it is like that. Like you said, there's probably a hundred action scenes. It's like one long. It's like action from from the time they cross the thing and he uses the whip the first time on the guy to the end when they're boxing up the arc it's like one big action sequence but i i do really enjoy that one Jason. oh you oh you want me to go you want me to pick okay yeah what do you got uh i'm just trying to straight up steal this category from me you notice i'm i'm just I, edging every you episode out. i've edged out a little more <laughs> it's like uh, batman 89 where he just pushes the screen over and i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go boys on the hood as well i think that scene is just remarkably intense. And the action on that is just frantic. I mean, it's like, oh, the dude's like punching him in his bullet wound. And he's like slamming the dude's face on the dashboard. It like pumps me up when the guy throws him off. He's like, aha, I got him, you know. And then when he comes back in, he swings on. He just plants the sole of his boot just right on his cheekbone. Just, how? how's my foot taste? Okay, yard sale. I just want to point out that 10 year old Weasel Skull is in the house and 52 year old Weasel Skull has left the building. Just left. He's just left. left. He's gone. He's gone. He's like, he's like, he's like, that in his face. And then he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. went, ah. well, welcome to my side, Weasel Skull. Welcome, welcome to my side. All right. Yeah, boys on the hood. That's me. I feel like someone needs to take up for the bar fight. <laughs> I, 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 but I can't. It's Boys on the Hood. It it just has so much going on. It's so captivating and fun to watch. I mean, shout out to the bar fight is is really good. But uh, yeah, I, let's make it. Well, when you end a scene with a guy getting branded by a a medal, yeah. like, that's pretty strong. That's, that's strong. pretty strong that's stuff. Strong. But yeah, well, we've got three for three. So all we got to do is double back and score these now. Jason, the best action scene in Batman Returns. He fights a little bit of the Red Triangle Gang. He fights a little bit of the Catwoman. And you give it a? All told, they all kind of were around the same level for me. So I gave it a seven as well. 
Hey, our final match game. I gave it a seven, and I'm kind of with you. I think they're all kind of sevens-ish throughout the film. Let's go to Raiders. Truck chase! <laughs> the truck chase. I gave that one a nine. I mean, it's a nine plus. Uh, I mean, there are probably greater action scenes in movie history, but this is right up there with them. So I land on nine for this one as well. I gave it an eight. I wasn't as huge on as you, but I mean, eight's still really good. I think it's a, it, again, it's kind of like a movie full of eights, which is highly complimentary. So there you have it. Dave, reveal to us what everyone already knows. <laughs> Wait a minute now. You don't know me. I, 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 I keep telling you, you don't know me. Uh, well, Weasel Skull said it was a nine plus, and he is correct. It is plus one. I'm going to go Indiana Jones. There you have it. That was a good one. Well, we've got one more category, folks. We've got the deduction round. The round for the ridiculous. Got my ass kicked. Are we going to remove any points? From Batman Returns. No sniper bullets for this one, but Dave, I I would like you to weigh in if there's anything that you would take away for this movie. Anything that really bothered you. I don't want to sway you, so please don't let me sway you. Or maybe I do. I don't know. You decide. My Batman does not kill either. And so that is kind of a sticking point. And then you add the fact that he does kill in this movie. I mean, it's not an accident. He does it on purpose. And then you add that to the fact that he has the little thing with Selena. How dare you think about killing Max? That just doesn't compute for me. So that, if I was going to deduct one, it would only be for that. That's it. All right, what? Jared. Did he sway you? I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to, you know, how occasionally we'll give it a bonus in the deduction round just for fun. I'm going to give it plus 20 just so it wins tonight. I, I, so I was going to say. I, plus I think- 20 from Jared. And uh, we can skip right to you're the best around. <laughs> Is this no. like Harry Potter at the end when yeah. Dumbledore gets over and goes, Gryffindor, 3,000 points. <laughs> it's Batman Returns by a bazillion gajillion. No, I, no I, I'm not going to bonus it. I'm not going to deduct it. I, everything I had to say I said during the rounds, nothing in it really bothered. Well... Okay, I'm going to tell you something that bothers me, but I'm not going to take a point away for it just because I'm a super nerd. If you're like on the ones and twos and you're a DJ and you've got like records, LPs going, you go, that's awesome. It does not work that way with a CD when he was remixing what the penguin was saying. (laughs) I forgot about that. You're right. It would have just jacked up the sound all together. (laughs) 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 That's probably what it would have sounded like. That has always bothered me that they treat a CD like it works the same way as a record. It does not. That's a fantastic point. And then I'm going to tell you, when I was watching this last night and he pulled out that CD and put it in there, I go, oh, my God, this is so 90s. (laughs) With the branded Bat CD player, all the better. That that takes you right back to 60 Batman because everything, you know, had to, you know, was was labeled. That's what that's the first thing I thought. But. When he brought it that CD, I was like, because today it would just be push of a button. It'd all be just digital. But right. I was like, oh, my God, what a great point. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That, that is a solid point, Jared. It washed right over me. I was kind of in Dave's camp about the Batman that doesn't kill. I'm not going to take a point off here because I think I already factored it into the score for the hero part. So it's a wash for me. All right. We're not even going to talk about Raiders, are we? I mean, <laughs> do we have to talk about Raiders? I only have one weird Piccadillo, and maybe it can be explained to me. I've seen the movie a bazillion times, and I might just be missing something, but I swear in that bar fight, Indy's revolver turns into a forty-five. Yeah. And then turns back into like I'm always wondering, like, did he pick that up? Did they is that a kind of I don't remember that part? 
Yeah, you'll see some yeah. shots. I'm going to go back and watch that. And it's, he's holding a 45, and I'm like, Andy doesn't carry a 45. So that part has always bothered me just a little bit, but not enough to deduct. I'm not taking anything from it. Drake and I talked about it when we watched the movie, too, because I said, I've watched this movie a hundred times, and I cannot figure it out. Like, is he carrying two weapons? And I read somewhere, just like on a fan site, that he carried two, but I don't know, man. I've never noticed that. I'm going to have to go back and watch this. All right. Well, we've decided nobody's taking any points off of either movie. All right. Well, I'm done. That's the end of our official rounds. Now, don't you worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that here at Action Film Face Off. In fact, Laurel has just handed me the paperwork. <laughs> Took her longer than usual this time. <laughs> There's a lot of math going on. Before I reveal the big winners, let's talk about match game. We've got six match games in this one, folks. So if you guessed six, then you guessed right. Let's talk about Sniper's Bullets. Dave gave four bullets to Raiders of the Lost Ark, just one to Batman. And that's how that fell out. Now, looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 87 to 78 is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I am a huge homer for Batman Returns, but it does not break my heart because Raiders of the Lost Ark is a timeless classic. Boy, yeah, anything that goes up against Raiders of the Lost Ark is going to have a tough time. Congratulations to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now it's time to head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen eighty-six, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Two thousand two. What will those films be? We'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And Dave, you're actually here, so Dave, there you go. The uh, funny or- part is that's been there for so long. Dave's not on social media; hadn't been in forever. <laughs> I know. We've left it in there, though. I appreciate you leaving it in there. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Oh, you said we had a listener raffle, didn't we, Jared? Yeah, let's do a raffle on this episode. If you've made it thus far and you haven't turned the show off, we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> how could anybody turn this show off when they've you've got me on here? Like, How could that possibly happen? <laughs> yeah, Kathy's I- probably turned it off. After Fast and Furious, she <laughs> yeah, probably turned off. <laughs> I hold my hands a copy of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark on DVD. And that's correct. And I will happily give this away. If you are listening right now, you can comment on our social medias, which is at AFFO podcast on the Twitter. And if you use hashtag AFFO Indie, I N D Y, AFFO Indie, I N D Y. You will be entered to win the Raiders of the Lost Ark on DVD. Indiana Jones. So hashtag A-F-F-O-N-D-I-N-D-Y. You will be entered. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. You want to get a copy of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Go ahead and enter that raffle. Until next time, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And, oh, 
Do I happen to have an Indiana Jones book page sketch on a page from an Indiana Jones novel? Uh, yes, I do. Perhaps. Uh, do I have a, a Batman on a page of a Batman novel? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> so uh, if that excites you, go to www.theyardsaleartist.com. Before we go, we got to talk about where we can find Dave. As far as I know, you got to leave a voicemail for him at 707-532-5269. I am still on a self-imposed exile from uh, social media. It's been a beautiful couple of years. I bet it's, it's been great. <laughs> I, I, I'm very relaxed. Uh, I'm very happy. But I met a lot of great people. You guys, Kurt, Ross. I met a lot of great people out there. And uh, I do miss that part of it, interacting with folks. but it was taking up too much of my life and I just felt like it was the best thing for me. But anyway, I would love for somebody just to reach out if they want to chat. I am at old Ben 1972 at gmail.com. That is O L D B E N 1972 at gmail.com. Drop me a line. I'll email you back. We'll have a great time. There you have it. Be sure to check out all the shows <laughs> under the long box crusade umbrella by subscribing to long box crusade on Apple podcast, Google play, all your finer podcatchers and some of the sketchier ones. You can check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. And if you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media. We are at AFFO Podcast on Twitter, or you can reach out to Longbox in general. It's at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. All of our shows are becoming available on YouTube with bonus content as well. Really encourage you to check out our YouTube channel. Give us a follow, a subscription, ring the bell, all that YouTube stuff. And as I've mentioned 20 times in the show, you can leave a voicemail, 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone! There we go. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down. And, and your knuckles, knuckles up. up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. And Jared, you can cut this part out, but I, I've been trying to figure out where I can in, inject this. But as, when I was looking up my trivia, interestingly... And I never realized this, but the scene where Indy and Marion are trapped in the Well of the Souls and Sala is taken prisoner by the Nazis. In the original script, he is told <laughs> he's told that um, uh, the, the, a Nazi is told to take him and, and kill him. Uh, and this Nazi soldier, uh, you know, is marching him to his death. And talking with Sala, and Sala starts talking, and they, and then by the end of the scene, the soldier can't do it and lets him go. And this was meant to show, you know, even within the worst, you know, we think the Nazis is some of the worst people, you know, on earth, but even there, there was humanity and it brought this level of complexity. And Steven Spielberg was, and, and Harrison Ford and, and Karen Allen all watched the scene and said it was a magnificent scene. This was a young actor, had never really done anything before, but did such a good job with it. But unfortunately, they cut it out because it just distracted from the, the pacing of the movie. And so I, I think about that. I was like, I wonder what would have happened if they would have left that in. Um, 
But anyway, that, that would have definitely made the villains more complex. Like, yes. how do you how do you how do you reconcile that you've got this massive organization that is ultimately evil, but inside that organization you have people who are basically good? Yeah, I think it was one of those moments where you had a great bit of acting and it just didn't fit within the structure of the story. Kind of like that young lady in Indiana Jones's house. <laughs> Yeah, maybe those two got together or something. <laughs> I bet they're living happily ever after. And, they, and like, do not speak to Indiana Jones. Don't talk about Indiana Jones. Don't talk to me about Indiana Jones. <laughs> we don't talk about Indiana Jones. <laughs> I think this is my round, isn't it? Okay. I it lost. is. I really threw I got, you, I threw I, you I, off on this one. I got sorry. lost. And that is the end of a really long round one. <laughs> I have to cut that down. <laughs> Don't you dare cut me out. <laughs> I'm usually the one that gets cut out. Just a spoiler alert, folks.